Hello everyone, this is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm here today with an artist, designer, and creative producer who has designed for many live performances both on and off Broadway. His most recent credit was designing projections for Skeleton Crew at Manhattan Theatre Club, which earned him a Tony Award nomination for Best Scenic Design of a Play. He was also recently a creative producer for Dwight Street Book Club. He has worked as a creative programmer for Mark Jacobs, director of design for Smith & Westward, and is the co-creator of Feast, an immersive dining experience with Listen & Breathe. He is also a professor at the New School in New York, New York, and at USC in Los Angeles, California. Over the course of his career in designing and creative work, he's garnered extensive, outstanding credits on a wide variety of projects from major networks, brands, and more such as CBS, Marc Jacobs, Complex Magazine, and AMC. He has contributed his expertise to award-nominated productions. His deep passion for design spans across multiple skills and interests such as opera and music, graphic design, animation, editing, and photography, which sets him apart as a powerful creative and designer. Please welcome Nicholas Hassan. Hey, hey, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. To start things off, I'd like to give you a belated congratulations on your recent Tony nomination. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. How did you first get involved with the show you were nominated for, Skeleton Crew? Well, the first time I got involved was when we did it at the Atlantic Theatre Company in their smaller basement space. It was sort of by happenstance. I had done a show in their main stage just before that, an off-Broadway play called These Paper Bullets. And then I was talking to a group of people at opening night. The director, Ruben, was there, and the artistic director of the Atlantic Theatre Company was there. And they're like, hey, do you want to come do this thing that we're doing in a couple months? And I said, yes. And it was sort of funny because we added projections quite late for that production so the projector was actually like sitting in the house but it was still uh received quite well and then we moved upstairs to their off-broadway space and did it again this time we integrated the projections a little bit more since we had more time to think about it and then we had a little bit of a hiatus where they did it in many places uh, nationally and internationally and then i came back to it just now on broadway when creating projections for any theatrical production what is your process usually like I mean, the process almost always starts with reading the play, of course, or the musical or the piece of work or seeing it if, it's, if it has existed in the past and trying to think about the text and what I can add to it. Uh, I'm a strong believer that projections doesn't need to be in every show and it should certainly have some artistic merit or push the story forward or the characters or the emotion, something, some sort of in to the text. Um, I think it can vary from show to show what that is. Uh, for instance, Skeleton Crew was about showing the culture of Detroit and the history and, you know, factory as a legacy, as well as just the larger Detroit area, because we're pretty focused during the scenes. Um, but other shows, it can be helping show place or more emotional space. And I just try, and then after finding sort of my way in, have a conversation with the director and the creative team, whoever's involved, and just sort of explore ideas, like throw things at the wall and see what sticks. And then we try and leave it for, I try and leave it for a little bit. I do a little breakdown to try and get the highlights of what we're going for. And then after a couple of weeks, I, I love to come back to it and sort of talk through the play as a whole from start to finish to try and see if our ideas can 
function throughout, like make their way all the way through the play and still be logical at the end. Because a lot of times we'll have one specific moment that we think would be like, you know, this is great. But if we sort of tease it out through the whole thing, it actually doesn't make dramaturgical sense to just plop this one thing in as opposed to, you know, having something that keeps it all together. Like the more the design disciplines can be the same, like feel like one idea, I think the stronger the piece becomes as a whole. So it's just trying to have as many conversations as I can to try and create that cohesive idea. When Manhattan Theatre Club presented Skeleton Crew on Broadway this past winter, it was during a time when many people in New York were getting sick with either COVID-19 or something else entirely. The opening of the production kept getting delayed as a result. How did you manage to get through it? I have to give it up to Manhattan Theatre Club. They did everything in their power from what we knew at the time to keep everybody safe and healthy. We did had some rigorous testing, sometimes twice a day, depending on if there was a case adjacent or in the group. Uh, you know, so we'd be tested before we could really enter the building. And then if someone tested positive, they would take them to take a rapid other test to make sure. And then they would, you know, be separated from us for what the CDC said at the time, which I think was seven to 10 days, basically until they tested negative again. And then we, as a team, just tried to do everything we could to try and keep creating the good work in the safest way possible. I mean, I will admit there was a few times that I didn't think that we'd be able to continue. Uh, there was one day that we came in and basically the entire lighting team had tested positive. And so we sort of had to scramble to figure out what we were going to do that day. And luckily we were able to sort of limp something in for the rest of that tech day and then had a better solution for the next. But it was a lot of problem solving. But I mean, I got to hand it to the understudies and to the theater itself for really taking care of us. For another perspective, I think there would have been some places that may have been like, let's we'll put it in the can, we'll bring it back next year. But MTC had a belief in this show so much so that they felt like this was the right time for it to be put into the world, that we sort of just did everything we can to make it to that opening. To a lot of financial sacrifice for them and a lot of time for us, even though we were spread out over, you know, with the delays, we still only got a limited amount of time to tech the show. That was a good thing Manhattan Theatre Club still managed to, to put it on at the time that they did. About two and a half months after the run wrapped up, Tony nominations were announced. What was your reaction to how Skeleton Crew did overall, including you getting nominated? I mean, I'm thankful that we got recognition at all. I mean, I was completely surprised that Michael and I were nominated. It was not expected. Uh, I mean, I'm very honored that there was such a great reaction to the work that we did because it was a tremendous amount of work uh, and thought that went into it. So it's always nice to be recognized. I am not surprised that Felicia was nominated and then won. She deserves every bit of praise that she's getting and more. She truly is an important figure in the American theater. And the same thing for the play itself, like... Dominique's amazing. She deserved to win, in my opinion. Lehman Brothers is also a fabulous play, but, I mean, that recognition is is well-deserved and exciting to him. For me, I was actually in L.A. working um, for Dwight Street Book Club at the time, so it was the, the announcements were coming out at, like, 6 a.m. in the morning, and I was still very much asleep. My partner, however, was uh, awake working on something on the East Coast, even though we're in the West, and came in and woke me up and said that I had been nominated, and I didn't believe her at all. I said that you're just waking me up because you want me to make you coffee or something like that. You just want me to be up with you. And she was like, no, seriously, but not. And then um, 
I looked at my phone and I had some congratulatory text messages and phone calls and then it started to become real, but it really took probably about a week for it to be like, oh, is this really happening? Like, am I really nominated? Could this be even possible? Even though I went to, you know, went to the Tonys, experienced the whole thing, and I'm still talking about it, it still feels, I mean, like a dream come true. Just being nominated is beyond what I really thought was possible. And what was the whole experience like of getting to attend at the Tonys? Again, MTC really took care of us. I mean, you know, they had someone bring us our tickets to go. Um, they had a car waiting for us to, to take us there. And, you know, I, I was fortunate at the time that I arrived at the red carpet that I had some familiar faces and friends around me, like um, Neil Pepe from The Atlantic was actually right in front of me in the red carpet line, who, again, is the artistic director that hired me for Skeleton Crew the first time we did it. So it was like a nice, warm welcome into this chaos that I'm quite unfamiliar with. You know, designers don't do red carpets so often. So this was like a pretty wonderful, unique experience to like go through a step and repeat and go through like the festivities of it all. And then like the interview line was also fun and exciting and exhausting. But then the award show itself was surreal. Like you have to sort of like, I was actually very thankful that we were first <laughs> because then the sort of the... The nervousness and, and, you know, wondering, I felt like I could be more in the moment after, you know, the set design category had been announced. Like before that, I was sort of going through a, a range of emotions all the time. But once it was announced, it was like, okay, now I can just be here in the moment and celebrate everyone and be here with my friends and just see this. And then the gala afterwards is a blast. It's just a wonderful party. Well, yeah, and thank goodness all the pre-CBS awards were actually presented on Paramount+. Plus. I was very thankful for that, yeah. Going back to the beginning, how did you first get started in creative design? So I wanted to study graphic design in undergrad and was it was doing that for about two years. And then I randomly took a theater class, loved the professor, sort of stayed in theater doing more technical stuff. Though I did a few designs in undergrad, they were set designs at the time. Projections was, you know... It exists, certainly existed, but not necessarily what I was exposed to, so I didn't really understand that that was a thing. And then I sort of left that, was a production manager for a while, doing some more set design, some lighting design. And then there was a show at a theater that I worked at in North Carolina that was like, hey, can you just give this a go? It was a glass menagerie. Can you just try and see if we can add something with some live feed and some blown glass fixtures? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And... It sort of dawned on me that this could be a thing, like this could be something that I could really invest in, invest my time in, because I can be in all the conversations before, but still have the flexibility, like a lighting designer, sound designer, to adjust in the space with the actors, as opposed to set design, where I sort of had to plan for the actors and then make little, you know, what minor adjustments I could once we were in the room making it all together. And then I just stayed. I just, just kept doing it, exploring more things, more avenues that I could continue to creatively put these stories on stage or not on stage in some cases as it may be. And yeah, made a life of it. What would you say are some of your favorite experiences of getting to design projections in the different areas that you have? I mean, Skeleton Crew, of course, was one. It was my first time designing for myself on Broadway. I've been an associate before, but this is my first time that it was, you know, my design. Like, I was charged with the design. So that was exciting to be in that driver's seat and see that world, which was as exciting as I had hoped. I would be very excited to go back if, if the opportunity would arise. And to be there with people that I care about. 
you know, the design team and I, like I said, go way back. Ruben is, is a great leader. So being able to be in the room with them was like a wonderful welcome back into theater because it was still sort of felt like we were just getting started. I had done another wonderful experience at La Jolla with also some very close collaborators just before that. But the Skeletal Crew was sort of the second one back after this two and a half years still going hiatus that we've sort of been on and off going through. And I would say most of the projects that I truly love are sometimes about the text or the music which is very important, but what is probably most important to me is the people that I'm with and that we can communicate in a way that allows the best story to come alive on the stage. And Sculpture True was luckily one of those stories, and so was this show, To the Yellow House at La Jolla, was another one that we just worked so closely together that it came alive. Of all your design credits over the years, are there any in particular you feel most proud of? I am always proud of the work that I do with a dance company based out of Brooklyn called Urban Bushwoman. I'm actually at the yard right now working on a new piece with them. I've always loved dance because it, there's just a tremendous amount of opportunity in the design field to work in a different capacity than when you base things off of text. Not that text is not part of the work that we do here. It is deeply rooted in like looking at text and conversations, but the way it comes together inherently requires a conversation to create a cohesive world. You can't just be like looking at something and sort of be in your own zone and create it. Like the piece that we worked on before the one that we're working on now was called Hair and Other Stories. And dance also allows for a breadth of time that is not always allocated to theater. Like we worked on this one piece for two years before we premiered it in New York, you know, and then it gets to have a life for years after, like they still tour it every year. But the collaboration with the company itself, because everybody is helping shape the work, is just sort of the creative process that I think I've always been drawn to. And dance is even better because the dancers and the company are all making it together. I mean, there is like a point of a sphere, like the, the choreographers are leading us, but everybody is able to collaborate together. Some of the smaller theater awards groups have categories for best projections. The Tonys combine projections with the lighting and or sets designers in one category. Do you think the American Theater Wing should create separate categories for projections? Yeah, I mean, of course I'm biased, but yes, I think they should. I mean, there is a concern that adding a projection category will incentivize producers to put projections in every show. I don't know that I totally agree with that because we are not cheap. Like, we are more expensive than most other departments, maybe besides costumes and sometimes scenery. So I don't necessarily agree with that argument. And I think that there are enough that it does require or want projections that we can have our own category. When I really think about it, it's like, look, we're just out here trying to make your show better. We're trying to do the best we can and be equal collaborators with the other design disciplines. The sooner that we are viewed even on the awards level as equal participants, the more ingrained in the community we can be. Because in a lot of these processes, we are messing with things. Like we, we have a big impact on a show. You know, if we put a 40-foot picture or a 40-foot image on the stage, that has a great impact on the design and the show itself. And I think that we deserve to be recognized for that ability so that we have some accountability for what we are putting on the stage, what we are adding to a production because again all of it is trying to say that we are cohesive design vision that fits within the show itself whatever that show may be based off of text or music or whatever it's all encompassing i think that there is 
And this thing, like, oh, some set designers do projections, but it is still valid for it to be a separate category, I think. I remember seeing someone in an online message board suggesting that the Tonys should have two separate best original score categories, so that plays and musicals wouldn't have to be up against each other, especially given that they serve as two separate functions. Yeah, I certainly agree with that, too, because it's like... It's just two different ideas. It's like sound design, too. Like, you want those to be separate because it's, it's, it's different. Although in response to that idea, I saw someone say, but what if there's not enough play underscores in a season? I guess there's no perfect solution. Well, and I also don't know why we have to have five... Maybe there's only three that are recognized. Suggesting that there is a minimum nominations. Like, we gave up on that last year, didn't we? Like, the last Tonys didn't have full categories for each. Partly because of, you know, it was the COVID season, if I can call it that. But also, you know, they voted for what they thought. They, you know, this nominating committee thought required recognition. And I think that we can do that every year. Like, I don't know that we have to have five of this, six of this, or whatever the number is. Like, why not have three? Why not have four? If that's what deserves recognition. Well, yeah. Granted, some could argue, well, it's mainly because most of these producers don't see these awards as the best theater has to offer. They see these as the marketing tools because the more nominations they can get, the more they could advertise off of them, especially if their shows are still running. Of course, there have been several instances where a certain nomination was only really there as filler. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is true, that producers will use whatever means they can to help sell their show. Now, whether that works or not, I think that... It, it is a question. Like, I don't think it hurts, but whether it's, you know, like Company, for instance, got a tremendous amount of nominations and awards, and they still, unfortunately, have to close. I think it depends. In you know, Felicia won, but our play is already closed. So, like, it, it you know, I think awards are tricky in that way because they are, you know, promotional tools, not only for the nominees, including myself, but also for the theaters that created them. I mean, that's sort of the nature of what they are. It's... Not exclusively, like it, it is a recognition of great work, but it is also a marketing tool in the end. Though maybe Felicia Rashad's win can at least inspire some African-American actress around her age to eventually play that part in a production of Skeleton Crew that gets presented anywhere in the future. I think that's also a powerful thing with the awards. For those who'd like to have a career in creative design, where do you think would be a good place to start? Well, that's a great question. I mean, creative design as a whole, I mean, I think that honestly the best place to start is to do some research find who you're interested in find the history of whatever discipline you might be into and then reach out to that person you know the creative design especially theatrical dance and opera it's not a massive community especially at a, a certain level and if there's someone that you see that you are inspired by i would reach out to them i mean i certainly reach out to several people that i respected to be like hey tell me about the life you know what's your story how did you get into it and i found people of similar stories to my own to help navigate the best way for me. For some people, it's moving right to New York. For me, it was taking a little bit of a roundabout way to New York. Like I came a bit later than other people. Some people are like, yes, gung-ho, I'm going to move to New York. I'm going to meet some people and make a go of it. And other people want a different experience in the regional world before making their way to all freelance. Before we go, do you have any other upcoming projects that you'd like to share with us? Oh, sure. I mean, a couple projects that I'm really excited about are the show that I'm working on with Urban Bush One right now. We're actually workshopping it and sort of planning it out. It's going to be an immersive dance piece called Haint Blue. We're actually going to do it in 
four cities and eventually New York. But it's going to be Martha's Vineyard. We're going to be at Mass Mocha and residents at Mass Mocha. And then we'll be in Miami and New Orleans. And then the following year, we'll do the New York premiere. It is a combination of work and stories that I'm just really excited about. I mean, we're still in the midst of figuring it out, so I don't want to give too much away because who knows, it could change. And, you know, because we don't premiere until January, so who knows what we'll really... But what we're working on is, like, really juicy, and we're really enriched in each of these communities to try and bring their stories through movement and storytelling to the surface, to, to spread the word to more people. I mean, another project that I'm really excited about is going to the Guthrie. I'm going to do a cool new Viet Vuong there. Uh, it's also my first time at the Guthrie, which has always been a dream of mine. As a Midwest kid, the Guthrie was like the theater. So to finally be able to design there is a really exciting challenge and humbling experience. So I'm really looking forward to it. Nicholas, I thank you very much for devoting your time to this interview. It was great getting to talk to you. Thank you. And for those who'd like to keep up with your career, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, you can go to my website, which is just my name altogether.com. So nickhassong.com or nicholashassong.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at nickhassong, N-I-C-K-H-U-S-S-O-N-G. Thanks again for joining me today, Nicholas. This was great. Thank you so much for having me. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash carereviewspodcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.